Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind, episode 49 with mindset coach and business strategist, Jennifer Trask. Jennifer, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Josh. Awesome, Jennifer. Well, I'm excited to get into it, hear a little bit more about your background. For those who don't know much about you, can you first give us a little intro on on who you are, what what you're working on, and then we'll get into uh, how you got there? Yeah, absolutely. So I work with driven entrepreneurs and help them really build unstoppable mindsets so that they can get out of their own way and really Mm -hmm. take action and allow themselves to receive what they really want in their business and life. Right. And and one of the big reasons I'm excited about this conversation is because over the last two years, mainly working by myself, you realize just how important that stuff is, right? I mean, when you're working in a company, maybe not even necessarily when you're working in a company, but it, you know, you have a boss or you have someone to do and pushing you and all that good stuff. And when you're working by yourself, you don't, right? So mindset and and confidence and motivation and all that stuff is super important. So I want to dive into that, but I'll use that as a teaser for right now uh, in in asking a little bit more about your background, kind of how, how did you get started or even before then, what was Jennifer like in high school? How did you start your career? <laughs> well, ironically, uh, I remember in my first couple of years of business, actually, no, that's not true. When, once I got more into the coaching side of my business, I did not start where I am. Um, I kind of look back to when I was a kid and realized you know, like if I think to the posters that were on my wall in my bedroom, I, I had made, I even handmade some of them, but they were always like motivational and inspirational. Hmm. Um, I was heavily into volleyball. I coached it. I played it. Um, so I, I was always around kind of, um, I think bringing out the best in myself and in others. Right. Was that just natural or were your parents pushing it or was there some other inspiration for it? No. Well, I, 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 so I'm very blessed. I have wonderful parents and they always encouraged us to do our best at whatever we liked. Um, But my dad is or was an entrepreneur and he was a really big philanthropist and he was he, he was a builder of people. And so Mm -hmm. I think that, I think just through osmosis, it sunk into me. I I very much, my, my brother and I are a lot like our dad. And, um, I I think I took all a lot of his qualities from a young age without really knowing it now, like, cause you know, as, as you go grow older, you have more life Mm -hmm. experience, you can go, Oh, I see the connections now. And so dad, um, dad, I think really influenced who I became. So did mom, but in terms of the, in terms of the, uh, drive, the entrepreneurialism, the, the building of other people. I, my favorite story about how that came is when dad was, uh, passing away, I went, he had these files called the warm and fuzzy files. And, Mm -hmm. um, I went into his office and I got them out because I was bringing them into the hospital so that we could, as a family kind of look through some of them because in his warm and fuzzy file, he kept things 
from over the years from us kids, uh, cards that we had made him or given him, things that were special to him. And right. a lot of the things that were in those files, like especially when you started looking back to things from when I was growing up, um, were people who the, the main message was, thank you for believing in me. Hmm. And it was threaded through everything from people at his work to people he uh, mentored to people he worked with through his philanthropic and volunteering efforts um, and through us kids. Right. Very, mm -hmm. very cool. And sounds like mm -hmm. uh, a, a great role model. And, and so how did the beginning of your career look? I, I'm interested to know, like, did you take business courses in school? You know, what was your first job kind of stuff like that? How did the career start? Uh, I, well, I took, when I went to university, I was between uh, taking business and nutrition. I actually have hmm. a, a high interest in health. Um, that came from my mom and the, and the interest in business came from dad. So right. anyways, but I ended up going the business route, which was a good decision. And I, so I have a, a degree in marketing and I also have a master's in international business. Um, so, and I also, when I, I first started working, particularly after my first degree, I started working in, we have a family, well, we had a family business at the time. I worked mm -hmm. in sales and that. Uh, I did a bunch of different things. I also did a lot of international travel, lived in Australia and Europe and, and a bunch of different places. Um, I always had that sort of uh, wanderlust. Mm -hmm. And then, but things really ramped up when I, I moved to Calgary in my mid-20s. That's when Calgary was really booming. And my one of my sisters lived there and my one of my best friends had moved there as well. And... I was going out there to get my, you know, in air quotes, real job. Mm -hmm. uh, this was a few years after I'd graduated my undergrad and I got a job working in sales for uh, a large, a very large cosmetics company. So mm -hmm. my clients were, you know, Walmart, Shoppers Drug Mart, uh, all the places that would carry our brands. And in the beginning, it was really exciting because I am a woman and um, I'm not really actually into makeup that much, but you know, it was kind of, it, it was, it was new, it was interesting and it was a big brand name. Anyway, so I did that and about six months in, I, I'm naturally a people person. I think that's, that's an asset that I have. I actually really like people. I think people are interesting. Um, I'm very friendly. So being in sales is I mean, once you kind of get the, the core things down, it's, it's, it's very, it was very easy. So after about six months, I was like, okay, well, I have this job down now. Um, and then I kind of got this like feeling in my gut and mm -hmm. it wouldn't go away. And it was this realization that I didn't really like what I was doing. And the reason I didn't like what I was doing is because I didn't feel like I was helping anyone. And I thought mm -hmm. back to... When I was in university, I had four different jobs. One of them was an aerobics instructor. And when I was an aerobics instructor, I loved it because I was helping people get healthy. I thought, man, I get paid, get paid to exercise. This is pretty good. Right. <laughs> and like, I'm going to be here anyways. And I, I, I actually didn't, um, I didn't necessarily verbalize this at the time, but I see it now. I've always loved speaking and being in front of groups. 
So, um, you know, for, as an aerobics instructor, that's what you're doing. You're in front of big groups. Um, I used to have classes of over a hundred people. Uh, so I loved it because, you know, I knew that I was helping people. And so that job at that cosmetics company was really an important job for me to have because it created the contrast for me to go, you know, this is not it for me. And also towards the end of that, that was like a year maternity leave contract. Someone else was on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, they implemented some new rules and started micromanaging the sales reps on a much larger degree. And I did not like that. And right. per- I really like, I was like, listen, I'm, I do not need micromanaging. Like my sales are up. Numbers are up. Everything is fine. Why are you asking me all these questions? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not relevant. And um, anyway, so that was my, I remember when I was, I was, ta- I was, I was just talking to my dad and he suggested I go back to MBA school because I could at least one buy some time and try to figure out what I want to do with myself because I had no idea. And then two, I'd be getting, you know, an education. So it would be, mm-hmm. it's like a win-win basically. So I did that and I, I went to uh, my master's. I did the accelerated program at St. Mary's in Halifax. And what was fantastic about the MBA program was I got into the mentorship program and I met with this mentor who was uh, a coach and consultant. And she was, uh, I remember she spoke very differently than most people. Uh, and I was fascinated by it. And she started to introduce me to the world of self-help and spirituality. And it was a natural fit for me. I, I wasn't really super familiar with it, but when I started getting into it, like it all made sense and it all felt really good. Right. Can you talk a little about what it was that made what she was saying different from everybody else? Yeah, absolutely. So she, she spoke, one of my favorite uh, authors and speakers in the self-help world is uh, Abraham Hicks. And, um, Basically, it's, it's someone, it's Esther Hicks who channels uh, an entity, I suppose. And they teach law mm-hmm. of attraction. They teach, uh, they teach how to be happy, you know. And she was very engrossed in their world and spoke a lot like them. And it's, they, they kind of created, they're, they're speaking English. I know this might sound a little bit odd if, you, if you've never listened to them. But when you start listening to them, they use words like getting into your vortex and alignment and uh, and you know, I guess some language that is not very common everyday language, but once you kind of get into that world, um, like athletes understand this by concept of flow, which I talk a lot about flow is the same Mm -hmm. thing as alignment. Um, and so basically she just spoke in a different way. That was what I, what I can, what I understand now is she was speaking at a higher level of consciousness. She was more kind of evolved and she still is and she's a wonderful friend of mine today um and so i just was like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um the but curtains, I, the curtains yeah, were pulled yeah 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 and what was really great is i didn't really kind of get it but i knew i needed to and i knew i wanted to be there i'm one of the gifts that i've always had is i'm very intuitive 
and I do follow my intuition, which many times gave my mother a heart attack, but nonetheless, <laughs> she, she's used to that. You know? So I, uh, I went ahead and did that, and she suggested that I go to a conference. There was a conference coming. It was called The Power Within, and there was a bunch of speakers. So I went to this conference, and... That's, that's Tony Robbins, right? No, it's not his conference. Oh. It's um, he he has a product called the Power Within. Okay. Uh, his comp he has a conference called Unleash the Power Within. But Got it. This conference was about a bunch of speakers, and um, anyway, so I went, and then it was a really good day. But when the keynote speaker came out, uh, we were in a we were in a stadium, about five or six thousand people is my guess. And the whole place went up and people were super excited about like living their best life. And I remember that that was the moment, the whole crowd in like in my, in my reality, everything went quiet. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. I was just so enamored with this person's ability to, get so many people excited about being the best version of themselves. And, and that speaker was Tony Robbins. Uh, Mm -hmm. And for anyone listening, if you haven't seen him, it's a, it's a great gift to give yourself because he is a master at what he does. Um, And yeah. And I, I, so I, you know, I bought all the CDs and DVDs and the whole kit and all the things. And that was sort of my entry into the world of self-help and, and then I, I didn't know, like I never said, I want to be a coach or I want to do this. I just knew I need to be in this world somehow. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's mm-hmm. going to be something. And that, right. was the, it, that was sort of my introduction. Very cool. I, I want to go back a little bit and because there, there's certain topics I tend to highlight in, in, mm-hmm. for my solopreneur listeners. And one of them is sales. I think probably for obvious reasons, right? Because if you're, if mm-hmm. you're building a business, especially by yourself, uh, sales, you could call the lifeblood, right? If you don't mm-hmm. have enough money coming in, you probably won't last too, too long. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that you were good at it, right? It, it, mm-hmm. it sounded like, it sounds like it came pretty naturally to you. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'd love to hear even just a couple, two, three pieces of advice you might have for solopreneurs who may be, sales aren't going so well right now, or it doesn't come so naturally because the unfortunate or fortunate side of solopreneurship is you probably have to be good at sales in one way or another, right? So for those who might not uh, be as good at it as you are, do you have any pieces of advice for them? Mm -hmm. The first thing is if sales aren't going well, then you want to look at two things. The big, there's two reasons why sales never go well. So one, either you do not have a strategy that's working for you or two, you're getting in your own way of the sales. And so that would be a mindset problem. Usually Mm -hmm. it's a mix for solopreneurs. So the fastest, um, the fastest solution I think to beginning to solve the problem is you have to stop making it about you. So what happens with a lot of solopreneurs is they, they're very focused on their finances and the lack thereof. 
and they're worried and they're paying bills. And I get it because it is a reality. And I was in that position and it's very difficult to have an abundant mindset when there, you look at your bank account and it's not sufficient. However, uh, and this is where the work that I learned once I went into sort of that world of self-help and spirituality was very difficult is you, you have to understand the world that we live in. And we, most people are making decisions from logic, but mm-hmm. we don't live in a world of logic. We live in a world of emotion and both your, your potential buyers or customers are making their decisions from emotion and you are attracting things to you based on your emotion. So when you understand, like, like for example, if you're like, Oh my God, how, like this sucks. How am I going to pay the bills? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then you go into a sales call. Mm-hmm. That sales call is not going to go well for you yeah. because the state of which you are going into that call, even if you use the right strategy and language, it's like, it's kind of like a desperate person going on a date and hoping the person will like them. And even if that person thinks they're attractive, there's going to be something about you that they're not going to like. They won't, they might not even be able to put their finger on it. It's just going to be a feeling. And it's because of the state you're going into the date with. And because business and dating are basically the same thing. I would say. Mm-hmm. So it, there's so many similarities. It's, it's pretty shocking actually. It's, <laughs> it is. I always tell people like, you know, when you're, if you're go, something going wrong in your business, you want to think about as if you're courting your business, what, what would you do if you're trying to court your business and win it over? <laughs> right. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I really yeah. like that. Yeah, you'd like up your A game, right? So mm-hmm. um, so basically what a solopreneur needs to do first is they, they need to understand emotion and how that creates your reality. And you've got to figure out a way to feel abundant even when that is not your reality. And the biggest thing I I love to use as an analogy of this is the tech industry. One of the gifts that the tech industry gives us is, you know, when you look at someone like a Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates, like Steve Jobs knew, um, like an iPhone had never been created. It got created out of thin air. Like who would have thought, and even when I think back to when cell phones first came out, that our cell phones would be this small and this powerful that they're basically computers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think what solopreneurs forget is, as particularly when the money is not there, is that you can't create your vision from looking at the lack of what is in your reality. You've got to find a way to get out of your reality and focus on where you're going. And you've got to let yourself feel as if you're already there. And when you take action from there, everything else will get better. And this Mm -hmm. is why I say mindset is like, it's, that's not easy. That's an easier said than done process. And um, I, I fully, I, fully understand that because I had to do that. And that's why business is such a head game. And so when it comes to sales, like the first thing you need to sort out is yourself because you'll see people who are actually not as good at sales, but they're full of confidence. And so their sales 
are amazing, even if they don't have the best sales page, because people are drawn to charismatic, confident people. Right. So when, when you, you got to get into that space where this, this would be the other piece of advice. So first you've got to get into the vision of where you're going versus the reality of where you are and how that feels. And then second, you can't, you've got to make it about the people. Like anytime you're in lack or you're in, holy crap, what is my life? You are focused on yourself and your business is not about you. Your business about is your impact and your service. So you need to understand what is the value you're bringing to people? How do you change lives? I don't care what you're selling. I don't care if you're selling a widget or you're selling a service, you are making people's lives better in some respect. And so you've got to go, I have this thing. It is amazing. And more people need to know about it. I'm going to talk about it. I don't like, I don't care if I annoy people on Facebook because I want to find the people who need what I have. And when you can get really, really focused and funneled on that vision, you will call those people to you. They'll come, they'll come out. And you know, the other piece of this is you've got to be willing to not care what other people think in order to be this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really, all of that is really great advice. Uh, and I can relate to a good chunk of it too. Mm-hmm. So, so Jennifer, let's, let's jump back to where we were in the story, which is mm-hmm. you go to this event, you, you have this moment where you realize kind of what your, you know, what your purpose or however you want to call it uh, should be. Mm-hmm. What type of, what were the next steps from there or what type of action did you take after that event? I made a list of five things I wanted out of my job because I still didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur at that point in time. Right. And um, I wanted the ability to make as much money as I wanted. I wanted the ability to impact millions of people. I wanted the ability to live wherever I wanted to live because I had a big travel bug. Um, I wanted to love what I did so it never felt like work. And I wanted something else and I kind of forget right now. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's on your website though, right? It's on your uh, about me page. Likely. Anyways. And so then I had actually a friend of my father's who was a longtime friend um, was in network marketing and he really wanted me to come on his team. And I really liked the idea of network marketing because you can't build a business without helping other people. In network marketing now it's the same you can't build a business with helping people anyways because mm-hmm. they're your customers but uh anyways that was what i was introduced to plus it was low entry from a financial standpoint so i went into network marketing and i um i always knew i wanted a global business so immediately i started learning about internet marketing and when you get into network marketing, one of the gifts that that industry gives its people is they're very big on Mm self-development. So, you know, that I was already interested in that, but now it was on hyper mode and I was learning a lot about, uh, you know, developing yourself, becoming a good leader, motivation, understanding people, and then sales and marketing. And, you know, it's funny because I have two business degrees, but I've learned more about marketing and sales being an entrepreneur than I have absolutely with six years of school. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I have a BCom as well. And uh, the, the textbooks just, they're not as effective as the real life lessons. That's for sure. No, it's funny. Cause I'm, 
actually in the middle of a launch right now for my membership program. And I'm telling you, if you ever as an entrepreneur want to get more clarity on how to sell well, launch something (laughs) (laughs) and that will do it. So, um, anyways, um, I kind of forget what I was saying now. Oh yeah. I was in network marketing and I was learning internet marketing. And so that's how I got into the like online space and really started getting more into the self-help coaching world. Right. Very cool. And Mm -hmm. what was that transition like? Like how did you go from the network marketing gig to where you are now? Well, I'm so about a year and a half into network marketing, my sister-in-law, uh, said to me, you know, you really should start teaching social media to other entrepreneurs because I was good at it. And I thought, oh, yeah, maybe I'll do that. It's a good idea. Because what's interesting is I understood it. I was really good at it. But like I still, my network marketing business was not doing very well. Um, But I did start teaching entrepreneurs what I knew about social media, start doing workshops. And then that led to consulting clients. And my consulting business started to take off and eventually I had to come to the point where I had to decide what am I going to do with this network marketing business? Because, um, you know, sometimes it's not about quitting, but it's about understanding there's a new direction. And I realized like that, that business was getting my foot in the door to greater things. So I ended up leaving the industry um, and took the great lessons I had with it. And I focused more on my consulting and then the consulting, social media consulting turned into marketing consulting, which uh, turned into marketing coaching. And the reason it turned into marketing coaching is because people, solopreneurs were my ideal client and they were paying me to tell them what to do and not always doing it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is not a win-win people. you need to get results in order for this to work. And if you're not going to do the work, then you can't get results. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I had known enough at that point in time, so much training and development that I started just talking and asking questions. And that's when I realized, you know, mindset is so important. And what's interesting is at that time, um, I probably did about 10 or 20% mindset Today, I think 80 to 90% of my business is mindset. Oh, wow. 10 Very to 20% interesting. strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when you just, so your, your sister-in-law gives you the recommendation and you decide to pursue that angle, how did it, how did it start? Like how, who were your first few clients? How did you go about getting them? Well, I posted a workshop at, at a local hotel and the first three people there were my sister-in-law. Uh, a friend that I had given 50% off to and someone else I can't remember but I promoted like on social media but but even that in and of itself I think I think speaks volumes Jennifer because here you are you you've got your network marketing business and all of a sudden you just decide to throw this this event basically and and you know I, I would imagine a lot of people would hesitate to even do that as a first step, right? What was it that made you do that to begin with? And, and was it difficult? No, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think, I think one of, I'm not really afraid to fail. And Mm -hmm. also, I also kind of went, yeah, she's right. I do know a lot of stuff. 
So <laughs> I'm just going to do yeah. this. Cause I knew cause this comes back to confidence and value. Like, do you know the value of what you have to offer? Mm-hmm. And if you do, then you do stuff about that. So I was just like, no, I think I thought it was a good idea. I need it more money. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, when you need money, you do stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and not being afraid to fail might be the most underratedly important factor of, of successful solopreneurs, especially probably entrepreneurs as well. Yeah. Um, and, and very cool. So, so how did that first event go? And then, and then what stemmed from there? Like, how did you grow from, you know, helping other entrepreneurs with marketing to uh, consulting and, and, and then coaching? Well, that event went well, except I had a Mac and I didn't know that you need an attachment to get your Mac up to the projector. So and, and at that <laughs> yeah. time, this was a long time ago. So the, the uh, hotel didn't have one. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to present using my computer. And <laughs> so then I was like, oh, I guess it was good that there was only three people because that would have been a disaster. <laughs> You're all huddled around the screen. Yeah. Basically. Um, so it went well in terms of like, again, I, I think, you know, people are not that complicated. Like if you really give people your best and you try to help them and you have some, you're good at what you do, like it's not rocket science, right? So Mm -hmm. we went well given we just, you got to learn how to roll with the punches, man. And I was like, okay, guys, we don't have a screen, but I'm here and here's your handouts and here's the computer. At least you had the handouts. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so I had that and then, you know, it led to clients and then I did more and it was just a natural like snowball effect. Um, and I think like anything, the way I got to where I am today, which my business is very different than it was back then, um, is it, it's an evolution. It's kind of like anything, you know, you, as you mm-hmm. get into business, you first, you build your skills, you kind of got to figure out, like I always say to coaches, I work with a lot of coaches and I always tell them, you know, don't spend too much money on your marketing and branding in the beginning because your business will evolve and change over the next three to five years because mm-hmm. you don't know who you are yet as a coach. You don't know what you're going to like, what you're good at. You don't know your messaging. You don't know how the market's going to respond. You don't know how you're going to feel about working with clients, like especially when you're new. So um, what you do want to work on is you who you are what work you love what work really interests you what work the what that and how do you combine that with what the market will pay for um and getting good at selling that and so yeah i think it was just all it's all data like the the best way to make progress is to start right yeah i i totally agree with that i actually just put out a blog post last week about how it took me about seven months to really get the messaging and purpose kind of mm-hmm. set up for solopreneur grind right I, I was putting out content and interviewing people for six seven months and I still you know it still took yep. that long to even come up with you know I was rewriting the website every few months until it finally finally hit me so I, I totally agree with you there I'll, I'll link to that blog post in the description uh, for any listeners who might be interested and so Jennifer I'm interested, you know, the first 12 months, let's call it. Mm. um, I have two questions. Number one, what was the hardest part about getting started? And number two is, 
what are some pieces of advice you would give to wannabe coaches or, or wannabe consultants that, uh, that are listening, they want to pull the trigger and they haven't yet for a wide variety of reasons? Um, okay. So your first question of the first year, what first year are you talking about? Cause there were so many iterations. Yeah. So, so what, once you, once you ran that first event, and it mm-hmm. was kind of like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give this a solid try. I'm going to start mm-hmm. building up my client list. What was, what was the hardest part of those first, let's call it six to 12 months? Um, the honest answer is I don't remember, but <laughs> yeah, I can give a good guess that sure. it was, it, it was likely, oh, actually that's not true. I, I had this story running for many years about I felt too young and too inexperienced mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, okay, I do remember that is what it is. And, and so um, this is one of the 13 entrepreneurial stories that sabotage, I'm too young. Um, and uh, so I think it was, it was, again, and that comes back to self-doubt and, and the, do you have the value of, like, can I really deliver the value? Right. Um, you know, so the way I got around it, though, was honesty. So basically... What I did was when I worked with clients, I wasn't pretending to be something that I'm not. I told them, I definitely know this. Um, I haven't gotten many people results with it yet, but I know it will work. And so in that conference, they were like, okay, and I'm like, and I'll be priced well, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the thing. Like I've seen a lot, especially in the coaching industry, a lot of people are like, charge super high prices, blah, 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 blah. But most people have not earned the right to set, pr- charge high prices. And mm-hmm. also, they haven't earned the confidence to charge those prices and, de- and confidently deliver at those prices. Um, right. So I think what worked for me was uh, really being honest, knowing I had something of value and pricing it at a price that I felt good. And then the other thing was I was determined to help my clients. So I know like a lot of clients probably paid for, I don't know, 20, 30 hours and I probably worked 50 or 60. Um, But in my mind, I was like, I don't care. Like I got to get people results. And if I get them results, I could market those results and then I can get more people. And then it, you know, it compounds itself. So. Yeah. I think that's really all that matters because I've definitely had that feeling of, you know, too young, too inexperienced, et cetera, et cetera. Ultimately, what it comes down to is if you can get a person the result that they want, then the rest doesn't really matter, right? And obviously, this comes with, you know, working ethically and charging ethically and, you know, being a good person. But all of that aside, uh, if you can get someone the result they're looking for, then they'll probably, they probably don't care how old you are, right? Or they, no, should, they, don't. they shouldn't care how old you are. They don't. And if they do, they're not your client. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So totally relate to that. And and so Jennifer, let's say I'm working a nine to five and I'm not, you know, I, it, it feels like there's more out there and I'm thinking about becoming a consultant or a coach. What would you recommend to those people, I guess, from a mentality standpoint and from a practical standpoint, like how would you recommend they get started? What type of action could they take? Uh, yeah. The first, the the first thing I would suggest is make sure you have enough expertise in that area to be good at selling it. And, uh, and I don't mean, um, sorry, I don't mean selling it. I mean, 
getting people a result. Meaning if you want to be a coach, but you don't really know anything about coaching, like go get a coach, go, go take a in-depth training on how to become a coach. Like step one. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if you already have expertise in something and you are helping people and now you're just figuring out how do I monetize this, your fastest path is you've got to learn from people who've already walked the path. Like you're like the learning curve is going to be big and hard enough, but the way that you decrease it is, you know, go take courses from people who teach you how to build a brand online to be a coach, go or hire someone or get in a mastermind. Like, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of solopreneurs are afraid to invest financially, but when you invest properly in the right thing, like in the right next logical step that you need, then it will, you'll make more money faster because you're not trying to figure stuff out. You're got like, Oh, okay. I got to do this thing. I got to do this thing. It's really funny. I have a client and um, she's launching a membership site and she's been a, a trainer for 25 years and, but like kind of a local trainer. And now she's more transitioning to building an online brand and, uh, mm -hmm. more the coaching sphere. And she's like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I'm like, awesome. Just do this, this, this. And then she goes and does it. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and so she's progressing. Oh my God. 10 million times faster than if she didn't have someone who knew what to do, telling her what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and walk, walking nice. her through it. So she's, her membership site will do way better faster just because I have a roadmap. Right. right. Do you have a few tips in marketing for, uh, you know, solopreneurs looking to get into coaching, consulting? Because uh, there's so many options out there, right? You can, mm -hmm. you can and, and even if you want to say content marketing, you could post on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I mean, there's just so much out there. Do you have like one or two pieces of advice for someone just getting started on the best or maybe the most effective way you think beginners yeah. can market themselves and their services? Super simple. Um, so there's three things. One, get a niche and mm -hmm. like, stop, don't be all things to all people. You've got to focus on doing one thing really well. And you know, you can expand later, but if you mm -hmm. want to grow a business the, the fast, you got to become known for something. Right. So step one, get a niche. Uh, Step two, network, network, network. Mm -hmm. uh, and step three is find one or two marketing strategies that work and get really, really good at them. So one of the biggest mistakes solopreneurs are making is they're going on, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on LinkedIn, they're on YouTube, and they're trying to master all of them. Like, no, scrap three, pick one. That's mm -hmm. it. Go build a huge following on one site and it will dramatically get you ahead faster. Right. To totally agree with that. That's great advice. Jennifer, I, I do want to spend the last couple minutes here talking about the mindset stuff. Mm -hmm. What are some of the most common issues that you see, or, or let's call them struggles or challenges that a lot of your clients are facing? And, and what do you find yourself recommending to them the most? You know, I think at the end of the day, it all boils down to who we are as human beings. And that is that we want to feel worthy. We want to feel loved. We want to feel accepted. And when you 
become a solopreneur, now all of a sudden you got to promote yourself and particularly in this online world, you really open yourself up to a lot of criticism. You open yourself up to being rejected. I mean, let's face it, no matter what kind of sales you're in, you're going to get rejected. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it, it can come disguised as some people will feel like an imposter. Some people will just keep sabotaging their time. Some people will keep doing busy work. Some people will, you know, like it, 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 the excuses are all the same, but it does boil down to it's usually a thing about really being seen because, you know, it's, it's interesting because this is, so I said business just like dating earlier. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have the depth of, relationships they want because they're not willing to be vulnerable and to be seen like to be truly seen as a human being for all that they are because when someone because you open the door up to being rejected and if you think about how humans have evolved if you get rejected from the tribe you can literally die so it comes down to Mm -hmm. survival and what's interesting is Today, we don't necessarily have the same problems of not being able to protect yourself from the saber-toothed tiger. We actually have problems of isolation and loneliness and people killing themselves literally because they don't feel accepted for who they are. And, you know, no level of money or fame. I mean, you look at what happened with Robin Williams, right? I mean, one of the most beloved actors, comedians, of all time and he's at the top of his game and he's gone mm-hmm. and so that with entrepreneurs there's a lot of particularly in coaching and consulting when you're new and you don't have a lot of experience there's a lot of fear of like what if they find out i don't really know what i say i know or what if i can't really help people or what if i get on stage and someone asks me a question or someone who's ahead of me in my in my field and my career is well-respected challenges me. Like, am I going to be a fool? Am I going to lose everything? There's, there's a lot, it's a lot around being seen and being, but the thing is, is when you are confident in who you are as a person and you don't need external validation, which includes money, clients, uh, accolades, other people agreeing with you. When you can truly be good with who you are, now the world is your oyster because you, you, you end up not allowing fear to stop you because I mean, you're not exact. no one's absolutely fearless, but you do walk with a certain, um, a certain level of, consciousness where you understand it is it is not about the stuff and Mm -hmm. when you can be confident in who you are and what value you have to offer then and that you are worthy of receiving it you know it's interesting i'm um i'm in this group there uh it's 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 sort of like a mastermind group and it's all it's all membership site owners because that's uh one of the things that i'm focusing on and um Anyways, one of the membership, one of the people in the group posted and she said, I I have to be honest, like, I feel guilty making this much money and not really working that hard for it. 
Hmm. And like, she's like, I don't, is this a mindset problem? Is this something that's going to go away? Like what's, what's up with this? Right. Because she's, you know, because one of the great things about memberships is, is it can become a very lucrative thing if you're doing it well. And, um, because you're serving so many people in one avenue, then it's, it doesn't like, you're not grinding all the time, basically. Right. Right. Um, it's a leveraged, uh, asset anyways. So I thought, first of all, what a great high quality problem to have. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. Okay. But two, it, it really like her work now is to understand she is worthy of this abundance. She is worthy. She doesn't need to work for it to prove she's worthy and then be okay with having that much affluence coming to her. Right. And that's a, that's a deep worthiness thing. And, and one of the, I think one of the reasons why a lot of entrepreneurs struggle is like, they're not willing to do this deep work like this, the work of getting to know who you are and basically undoing all the shit you learned because of society. And maybe, maybe your parents, maybe other influencers on you, maybe whatever, like, like society teaches you over time. Um, you know, you're not good enough unless, mm-hmm. and this comes down to truly allowing yourself to live into your potential and realize actually I am an abundant person and I do deserve a wonderful life. And then not feeling guilty because others have less because one of the, the great things about being entrepreneurs, as you do make more, um, you have more to give. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you're a good person, like it's funny, people think money changes you, but I think money just amplifies who you are. Like if you're a good person and you love to share and you love having people over, you love giving people gifts, when you have more money, you're just going to give more or like more expensive stuff, like whatever, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. it's just, you're going to have more, it's a tool, it's a resource to do more good with. So right. when you can, you can allow yourself to realize I am worthy because I think to um, people who are ethical and good hearted, like they're not in it because they want more than everybody else. And, and I think this is where some of her guilt's coming from because so many people have less, but when you understand, you know, like you can't get sick enough to help someone become healthy and you certainly can't get poor enough to help other people become wealthy. So you must understand that from accepting who you are and your true worth, your worth as a human being, when you were born, you were worthy. When you allow that to sink in and then allow yourself to receive um, all that you desire, you are in a better position to help others do the same and to lift them up. And I think when you can connect that and understand you know, your worth and, and all the shit about imposter syndrome and the rest of it just kind of goes away. Yeah. That's, that's a great, great piece of advice, Jennifer. I, I want to bring this to an end, but I do, I need to ask this question kind of before we get to the, let's call it the, the outro is, do you, I know it's a loaded question and a loaded topic, but if someone totally relates to what you just said and they want to take action on becoming more self-aware, self-conscious, self-confident. What's maybe just two or three quick things or, or maybe it's habits or resources they, that you recommend that they could start doing. 
Absolutely. I have a couple of ideas. Um, so the first thing is go to the bookstore, go to the self-help section, look at the books and buy one that calls you because mm -hmm. whatever one you need to read, it will call you, go get it, read it, start there. Um, the second thing is if for all the entrepreneurs, like, um, my membership site is all about mindset. So certainly come join my email list. And when the doors open, come join the joyous journey. It is the most affordable, effective mindset coaching you will ever get your hands on. Um, and the third thing is you've got to start hanging around with two types of people. One entrepreneurs who are kind of where you're at in business and who want to move ahead and who want to develop themselves. And then two entrepreneurs who are ahead of you and who mm -hmm. are modeling what you want. The fastest path to what you want is to get around people who are on their way there and who are already there. Right. That's, that's yeah, really, really good advice. Jennifer, this has been an awesome episode, ton of great insight. I, I can already tell it. I mean, I re-listened to almost every episode. This will definitely be one of them. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Can you tell us a little bit more about where people can find you, uh, about the mass, the uh, the membership site, anything you want to plug? Absolutely. So my main website is Jennifer with a dash trask.com. And the membership site is at joyousjourney.biz. Um, we, we, we will link to those two in the description. So uh, yeah, yeah. don't have and to then, worry about the spelling. No, that's right. And then if they want, I also do retreats. I have a retreat coming out in April, 2020. If they want to come to that, you can go to joyousretreat.biz. Um, and yeah, that's where they can find me. And of course I am on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, thanks again for coming on. Really insightful stuff. Great conversation. And I uh, definitely hope to keep in touch. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Josh. It's been a pleasure. Hey everyone, Josh here, checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content, such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.